Welcome to the Free Range Preacher on Prayer Podcast. My name is Richard, and I'm the podcast announcer. In his sermon, A Prayer Hearing God, Jonathan Edwards wrote, Hence we may learn how highly we are privileged, in that we have the highest revealed to us who is a God that heareth prayer. The podcast aims to exhort, encourage, and explore how to enjoy that privilege to the utmost. Edwards then also says, A God who delights in mercy and is rich unto all that call upon him. Join Fred as we unpack, as you groovy young people say these days, the nurturing of our growing, biblical, dynamic, and soul-satisfying communion with God Almighty. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for this beautiful day. We thank you and we bless you for your abundant goodness to us. We thank you for your mercies and your grace that is shed upon us. We do pray, presenting to you this very moment, ourselves, our ears, our hearts, our minds, and our souls, so that we might listen to you and to glorify you in what we learn, what we're able to say, and then especially, Lord Jesus, what we are able to pray. We do now, Holy God, thank you again for teaching us, for saving us, for bringing us into this redeemed life, into our relationship with you, and then teaching us, showing us that not only can we pray, but you long to hear from your children. You delight in our prayers. And so we just pray we would again open our hearts, minds, and souls to listen to you and to keep on praying, to be moved, Holy God, to consistent prayer to be moved not to take pride in our prayers, Lord Jesus, or get discouraged. Help us keep your word in focus so that we know what to pray and that you give us what we need to pray. We just bless you again and thank you for our salvation through the blood of the Son and the plan of the Father to the glory and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, all to the glory of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We commit this time to you. Teach us to pray. Amen. Good afternoon, morning, or evening once again. This is You Found the Free Range Preacher on Prayer podcast again, and my name is Fred, the host, at least until it's time for me to go home, and then, who knows, maybe uh, seven or one of my grandkids can take over. But for now, I'm the host, and we know that we are blessed with our salvation. We know that from Luke, I believe it's 10, that Jesus says, whatever else is going on in your life, be thankful that you are saved. Then God has shown us that we have a conversation with him or that we can have a conversation with him. We've talked about that. We've talked about knowing eternal life right now through our prayer life, through learning about him, because that's what eternal life is, truly, right? Not length of days, but getting to know the God, our creator, and his son who he sent to redeem us. So we're blessed. And I'm more blessed because I get a chance to talk about prayer, which is a privilege to know God's word, to know it at all, and then know it and be able to teach it is just amazing to my heart, mind, and soul. One of the greatest gifts in my life. And again, that you guys listen, that's an extra special blessing and one that always amazes me as well. And we do pray, you've heard me pray before, that for posterity, for future generations, Prayerfully, the web will be around, and this will be able to be accessed for Christians who want to learn how to pray. The podcast will. 
So it's a blessing. It's a blessing to be saved. It's a blessing to be able to pray. And then, as we talked last time, it's a blessing to know that our prayers do change things. God uses them that way. They do not change his mind or his will, but they bring us into alignment with his mind and his will, and he uses our prayer requests to change circumstances. And we saw that specifically in the life of Abraham and in the life of Job. I mentioned last time as well that I wanted to take a few minutes and talk about potential pitfalls when we come to the knowledge that our prayers do affect things in the providence of God. And I said we would spend a few minutes on that. And then as I thought about putting that together, I thought about putting that together in the context of this last year and a half, 18 months or so over this pandemic. And I wanted to use the pandemic as a backdrop to talk about the pitfalls and to talk about how to overcome them, the potential pitfalls anyway. And when I did that, this few minutes turned into a little bit more than a few minutes. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to try this one more time at least, and I'm going to do this whole episode all at once, and then I will let you know, as if your ears didn't, when it might be a good time to take a break and 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 stop the podcast. And then we'll see how that works out. I've been encouraged to do that a little bit, and I like it a lot better. And it seems to me to come together better than even recording it all at once and then chopping it into episodes. But we'll see. We'll see how things happen. Nevertheless, that's what we're going to do today. So I'll let you know when I get through with a section, there might be an opportunity to take a break. The other thing I thought of is that might also facilitate for us the ability to use what the Holy Spirit has taught thus far in the podcast to stop and meditate on those thoughts and see, pray about them, see if we can incorporate them. So it might have, I'm praying it has that effect, at least if you do want to stop and do need to stop, that you will be able to stop and meditate on what God has told you and how you can implement that or how it might change or a better way of doing things than than even that you've learned. So we will continue this experiment at least one more time. As I was doing the episode on how God uses our prayer to change things, and the fact that he does, and then the biblical illustrations, once again, Abraham and Job, three pitfalls came to mind, and I thought I would cover them shortly. It didn't turn out that way. But knowing that God affects things by our prayers causes at least, or can cause at least, three of these dangers. And the first one is being stifled in our prayers because we may not be sure we're confident enough to know what God is doing or how he's going to use them. The second one is we could become prideful in our prayers. And we've talked about before, a prideful Christian is useless in the spread of the gospel or the building up of other people. And then three, the potential is we could get discouraged in our prayers And that would keep us from praying as well. And so we're going to look at all three of those aspects. Now, you know, I don't have to to tell you this, but I'm going to remind you that this pandemic came on unexpectedly. It came on quickly, and it has been plagued in our minds by massive amounts of conflicting information. And so we've been a little bit bewildered by the quickness of it, by the sudden change 
that we have in relationship to each other and our government. It's been pretty astonishing, at least in my lifetime. It's been pretty astonishing. And then if we add to that our complex and deep heartfelt convictions as Christians on how we are going to live out this Christian life in this world and our biblical beliefs, those become those come straight to the forefront as well when we're talking about these times of trouble. And this, as we have mentioned before, is the first corporate trial that we've faced in my Christian lifetime. And that's 40 years now, more than 40 years. And those biblical beliefs, and depending on where you're reading and who God has made you to be, I firmly believe that, your character, those are convictions as individuals and sometimes as churches have even put us at odds with one another. And that has been troubling as well and sad. And we've been left to navigate it all without our regular church habits, most of us. And so it's no wonder that this time can have affected our prayer life. In fact, you might even think of words like this, afflicted, perplexed, persecuted, and struck down. You may be feeling any of those, all of those, a mix of those, and more just because of the circumstance. And we know in God's providence, he has ordained it. We're going to talk about that here in a bit too. So it has been new waters for us to navigate. And from there, as we get started, I got this from 2 Corinthians 4, 8. And Paul there is talking about general persecution, I think. But this has happened in specific. And the verse reads this way. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not despairing. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. So if you've been feeling afflicted, perplexed, persecuted, and struck down, and that is, like I said, another part of it, we've had to navigate that by ourselves. And when we face those things, or maybe you're facing them right now, you may have faced them the whole time, or maybe you're just coming to them now. I know there are certain parts about this pandemic that I'm handling actually worse now than I was at the beginning. The Lord's helped me and convicted me of those things, but I'm working through them. So the sudden nature of the pandemic, the confusion that has come to us, and even science had mixed results and had different ideas, and that's the way science works as well. But when they put them out as you got to do this or you got to do that, when they didn't really know precisely what they were talking about, has added to the issues as well. And knowing our prayer changes things, we prayed about that. We've prayed about that a lot in the podcast. But knowing our prayer changes things, but not knowing how our prayer changes things, actually could lead us to prayerlessness. We've talked about the frustrations. And if you don't, if this is brand new and you don't know what to do and you're kind of pushed to isolate yourself, it may lead again to frustration because you don't know what's going on. You don't know how to pray and prayerlessness. But the Bible, as we face these things and as we may face them in the future as well, the Bible gives us some guidelines as to how to pray, even through circumstances like this. So our first point there is prayerlessness can be caused because we don't know what God is going to do. We know our prayers affect things, but we don't know how. So we just, especially in our circumstance, like being isolated, we give up. We stop praying. Now, James 5 tells us 
that we can pray for wisdom. James 1, 5, I'm sorry. Romans 8 tells us that God is working on us, and so we can be praying about what he is teaching us at the moment. Matthew 9, we're going to look at this verse here in a minute, but Matthew, in 9, Jesus tells his disciples to pray for workers of the harvest. And we know from past episodes and from your upbringing as a Christian that what God is doing right now is spreading the gospel. And then we have promises from the Word of God. And in fact, I have a a book of prayer of memory verses that I've worked on over the years. And as I've been going through that book, at the same time I'm putting this episode together, I'm actually pretty amazed that probably the majority of those verses are promises that I personally, over the years, have learned to cling on to. And so there's nothing wrong with that. So we have wisdom, we have his work in our lives, we have the spread of the gospel, and we have promises that we can be praying in times just like this. So I'm encouraging you. We are encouraging one another to keep praying, even in our frustration. So we want to start now with James 1.5. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. The context of this part of John 1 is trials and how they are actually good for us. And then he says, but if you lack wisdom, ask of God, and he's going to give it to you generously and without reproach. Those are important things. And so one of the things we could be praying as this pandemic, you know, powered up on us and as other ones might in the future is wisdom. Lord, what are you doing? What is this trial accomplishing? Why are we in this situation? We need wisdom. And so you can pray for wisdom. Instead of going to isolation and prayerlessness, Get on your knees and start praying because you have the right to ask for wisdom and God says he will give it to you. And you can keep on coming and he's going to give you that wisdom. So you might just be praying, Lord, what are you doing? Give me insight, please. Open my eyes to see what you're doing. Give me wisdom on how I'm supposed to handle the pandemic, how I'm supposed to handle being safe around other Christians. How I'm? How am I supposed to handle not being able to go to church, at least in my culture, that was the case for a short period of time. How quickly should we get back to doing our worship? We need, needed, and we need, we need wisdom all the time, but we need, needed wisdom, especially in this circumstance. And so we are given the exhortation to pray for wisdom. And that's great. What are you going to do? What are you going to do now that things seem to be letting up a little bit? Lord Jesus, give me the wisdom to handle this circumstance so we can pray for wisdom. Secondly, in Romans 8, we've read these verses before. Again, I love them. Romans 8, 28 through 30. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And whom he predestined, these he also called. And whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. So we've talked about this. This is God's will for us, that we become conformed to the, to the image of Christ. 
So we can pray for just wisdom in general, and then we can pray for specific wisdom. Lord, what are you teaching me? How are you teaching me in this pandemic? How are you growing my faith and making me more like Jesus? Should I be really, really careful about other people, about their fears, over their fears, and what they're worried about? Or should I be bold and proclaim courage and tell people maybe not to do everything that the world says is the safe thing to do? Those are the waters that we've been trying to go through. And this is where I get your personality fits in. If you are really, really bold, of course, you're going to read these verses and you're going to say, I'm going to be more like Jesus and I'm going to be bold and I'm going to go out and help people no matter what the consequence. Or if you're really sensitive, you may say, you know, I need to watch out. These people are afraid. I might not be afraid, but these people are afraid. So I'm going to wear my mask or I'm going to keep my six feet apart or I'm going to not go to church because I want, as a Christian, them to feel safe. That's what we've been working through. So there's nothing wrong with praying wisdom in the big picture and wisdom, knowledge in the little picture. Lord, how are you helping me? What are you helping me to do? How are you growing me in this situation? One of my most often that I hear myself praying the most often is open my eyes and let me see or open the eyes of your church. And nowhere greater is that than in Matthew, in the concept of Matthew 9, 37 and 38. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest and send workers to into his harvest. There you go. Lord, open our eyes. Show us how you are using this to spread the gospel. Caring people, bold people. More people online looking at your word, the, f the fear in the world, the fear of death that's in the world, and people looking to the church for help, Lord, show us, open our eyes so that we can see your glory when the gospel is being spread. He's not only working things out in your life, he's working things out in the spread of the gospel as well. So we can pray for wisdom generally. We can pray for knowledge. How are you using this in my life specifically? And we can pray for the spread of the gospel. We have those forms and probably should be praying those three already so far, shouldn't we? And then lastly, we have promises. And this is the one I've heard a lot, so I wanted to use it today. Psalm 91, we're going to go four through seven. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you may seek refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a bulwark. You will not be afraid of the terror by night or of the arrow that flies by day, of the pestilence that stalks the darkness or of the destruction that lays waste at noon. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not approach you. So there are promises, hundreds of promises in the Bible that we can cling to no matter what the circumstance. And this may be one of them. And when we talk about pride in our prayers. We're going to talk about this passage specifically. We've had kind of a training lesson in the last year and a half. When troubles come, we don't get pushed into prayerlessness. We get pushed into more prayer. The greater our need, the more we should be praying. And we can be praying for wisdom in the big picture, wisdom in our individual pictures, our lives, for the spread of the gospel, 
and then the promises that we take from the Word of God. So we have a great outline of prayer. So I'm praying and asking that if you have been pushed to prayerlessness, you can overcome that. If you haven't, but were in the past, you can rejoice that you've overcome that. And if you just don't know where to start, wisdom, personal wisdom, what are you doing in my life? The spread of the gospel, and then find those promises in scripture and pray them. They are effective. They are for our comfort. And we can cling to them, to the glory of God, and to, again, our peace and comfort. So keep praying. Now, this is the first section that, that, that I wanted to talk about, just prayer. So if you want to stop, maybe even repent that you haven't prayed at all, or that you've been stifled in your prayers, or maybe just contemplate praying for wisdom, praying how God has changed your life during this pandemic, how he has made you more Christ-like and in what ways. And then again, pray that your eyes would be opened. I pray this all the time. Lord, let us see the gospel being spread because of this pandemic. He doesn't do anything purposelessly. I think that's a word. And then lastly, whatever promises you have, cling on to them. Now, if you need to take a break, this is probably 20 minutes in, 18, 19, 20 minutes in. If you need to take a break, take a break and contemplate those things. The next thing we're going to look at is pride in our prayers. And that is a temptation. Pride is always a temptation because we are fallen, sinful men. But it's in particularly dangerous when we come to realize that our prayer does change things. And we have this thought maybe that we know best what's going on around us. And so we become prideful in our prayers. And we're going to look at Psalm 91 for this. And the scenario might go like this. You may see the pandemic coming on. You may think it's silly. You may think that people are fearful for no reason. I have actually felt all of that at one time or another in the last year and a half. And you may come. I have heard Psalm 91, this passage read many times, prayed many times in the last year. Prayed sincerely, by the way. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you may seek refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a bulwark. You will not be afraid, it says. And then verse 6, especially in this circumstance of the pestilence, we will not be afraid of the pestilence that stalks the darkness or the destruction that lays waste at noon. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not approach you. Now, I have not heard or seen this to this extreme, but there is definitely a danger there. And so you might be clinging on to that verse and you say, no pestilence is going to come near my house. And perhaps you're very confident and you become prideful that the Rona is not going to affect you because you are praying those verses. Your God is going to protect you. And again, we have those. We need to cling to those. We need to take God at his word. But you might be praying that psalm and then thinking, I'm never going to get sick. And perhaps you're even bragging to your neighbors. I don't know what you're fearful for. Fearful for. I dwell in the house of God and I'm not going to get sick. And he told me in Psalm 91 that I'm not. And then you find yourself with the Rona. You might even find yourself in the hospital with the Rona. Now what? Even in sincerity, sincere prayer, 
sincere might be the wrong word, but even if you believe in God so much that you're never going to get sick because he says it in Psalm 91, and you find yourself sick in the hospital, now what? Now, before I come to visit you in the hospital, we'll get to that in a few minutes, I want to go to 1 Samuel 2. And in 1 Samuel 2, 12, the Bible reads this, Now the sons of Eli were worthless men. They did not know the Lord. So they were worthless men. They were priests. Eli was the priest. He was old. Now his son took over the business, family business. But that's how they ran it, like a family business. And they were worthless. And they were unbelievers. And they made worship for Israel miserable. And they hurt the reputation of God. And the people complained about that. Israel complained about that. Eli did nothing, but God did. In chapter 3, Samuel is now in the house, we might say, and he's old enough not only to hear what God had to say, but then to talk about what God has to, had to say. And he hears from God that God is going to judge Hophni and Phinehas, those are Eli's sons, and he's going to judge Eli and his whole household because Eli did nothing when he heard about his evil, wicked sons pressing evil upon the people. And he tells Samuel that. And then Eli, if I read this correctly, Eli presses Samuel to tell him what the Lord said. So Samuel did. Stoically enough, Eli says, well, that's what the Lord's going to do. That's what he's going to do. Now we go to chapter 4. And in chapter 4, the Israelites, the the army of the Israelites are fighting against the Philistines and they are losing. And they said, oh, we're losing because we don't have the Ark of the Covenant here. It's not around. So let's go get the Ark. And they do. And they bring it. In our circumstance, we say we might say, well, maybe we haven't prayed yet or we haven't prayed enough yet. So we're going to pray. And then we expect God to answer, right? We expect the good results. They expected now to win. We expect good results in our prayers once we include God. If we've been in prayerlessness, now we're including him. And we get bold in our prayers and we pray and we expect to win. They expected to win as well. And for the Israelites in chapter 4 of 1 Samuel, it almost worked. The Philistines were afraid. And we've talked about this before. I'm so amazed. They really thought that God resided in those statues. And they said to themselves, uh-oh, Israel's got their God. We've heard about what is what the God of Israel did to the Egyptians. We are in real trouble. And if you read histories, there's a history on Cyrus. And the guy, just his name just slipped me. It started with an H. But he talks about this, about the statues being fed and bathed and moved around. And in the Great Courses Plus as well, there's a, a course on Mesopotamia. Listen to that and hear how different the true God is from those wooden and stone pieces of stone, but the people invested in them so much so that in the history of Cyrus, one of the things the author there said was if your city got sacked, you couldn't even rebuild it. They wouldn't even rebuild their cities until they got their God back. They really took that seriously, which, by the way, makes what Isaiah says so powerful when he says, look, these unbelievers they take some wood, they carve it up, they burn some of it, they cook their food over some of it, they warm themselves over some of it, and then they make an idol of it and they bow down to it. That's just dumb. But they did. They really believed it. And because they really believed it, they said to themselves, we are in big trouble. Israel now has their God. 
in this case, and very often in the Bible, that does turn the enemies of Israel, the enemies of God, into cowards, and sometimes they fight themselves and defeat themselves. In this case, though, it made the Philistines Spartan-like, and they said, we're in big trouble, we know we're going to die, but let's fight like men. And you've probably heard the Spartan women told their husbands, sons, soldiers, come back with your sword or on your sword, right? That's the way the Spartans fought, all out to the death. And that's what the Philistines decide to do here. But guess what happens? They lose. Israel loses. The Philistines win. And they actually take the ark. And it's a whole funny story after that. That's not what we're, we're talking about today. But the Philistines fought like men, and they won. And the soldiers had to be saying, what's going on here? We have the ark. How did we lose? I prayed about this. How did I get sick? I've been praying Psalm 91 every day. How did I get sick? In the context of 1 Samuel, God was accomplishing a different part of his will during this war. And in his will, he was going to, like he said he would, punish Eli and Hophni and Phinehas. In the battle, Hophni and Phinehas lose their lives. When Eli hears about it, he dies. And then the rest of God's judgment is on Eli's household. But in this battle, Israel didn't win, not because they didn't have the ark. In our lives, we may have gotten the rona, not because we didn't pray about it, but because God had a different plan. And in this case, it was his wrath set for Eli and his household. You might even think about the will of God like a spider web that has all these different kind of connections, and we only see part of it. That's why we can't become proud in our prayers, because he may be working on something different right now. Now, let's go back to you in the hospital, and you've got the Rona. What are you going to do? Well, you're going to do what you always do. You're going to talk to the doctors and the nurses and everyone who comes into the room, the CNAs, everyone who comes to help you, you're going to tell. Maybe you'll even be really, really honest and say, I don't know how I got this. I did everything that the world told me to do to not get this Rona. And on top of that, I prayed. I prayed Psalm 91. He says, no pestilence is coming near me. So I'm not sure why I have this disease. But one thing I do know I'm not afraid of being sick, and I'm not, I, I am not afraid of dying because my soul is in the hands of my Savior. And you tell them about Jesus, and you tell them about his sacrifice for you on the cross. Because that's what you do wherever you're at. It's our life. We tell people about Jesus. And by the way, I know a woman who's battled cancer twice. She's battled other health problems too, but cancer very specifically twice in her life. And Two nurses on each occasion came to faith in Christ because of the witness of my friend. I don't know exactly what she told them, but maybe a scenario like yours. I don't know how I got sick like this, but I know Jesus has me and it's okay. Whether I live or die, it's okay. And you give them the gospel, just like my friend gave these nurses. And you maybe won't see this in this life, but because you had the Rona, and because you were in the hospital, and because you do what you always do, which is talk about God and talk about Jesus and salvation and how to get salvation, you may not hear it again in this life, but down the road or maybe while you're there, 
somebody that you talk to about Jesus, maybe more than one person, that seed that you planted is going to grow up, bear fruit, and be the salvation of someone's soul. So we can have confidence when we pray the promises of God, but we can't be proud in them because we don't know exactly what God is working on in any particular point in our lives. We don't have that fully clear anyway. So knowing that our prayer changes things should not lead us to pride because we don't know exactly what God's will is, right? We've talked about that. In the case of the Israelites, he said he was going to punish Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas, and that's how he did it. In our lives, there may be somebody in the hospital, in the ambulance taking you to the hospital, somebody in your family that you've witnessed to, and they see your even bewilderment, but they see your courage, knowing your faith in God, knowing where you're going, your faith in the blood of Christ, and it may make an eternal difference in their lives. So we have plenty of things to pray for, and we can't take pride in the promises that we hold on to because we don't know how God is working all those things together. I hope that makes sense. As you're praying, look to the Bible to give your prayer substance, but don't take pride in those promises you have, whatever they are, because God may be doing something that's going to lead you in the valley of the shadow of death where you never wanted to go, before you can get to the green pastures. So that's the end of section two. Again, you may have some things to contemplate on that. You may have circumstances in your own lives that maybe you're not, you're thinking God didn't fulfill his promises. So there may be some perspective that you need to pray for. You need to pray for that wisdom in your life. So we have the outline that we prayed in the first section. This is the second section. We cannot be proud in our prayers because our prayers do change things. We just don't know where we're at in God's providence, where we are at in his timeline. So pray, trust, find those verses, cling on to those verses, but don't be proud in them. It may be a little different. That's the second section. Next, we are going to look at despair. You may be ahead of me on that already, but if you need to take a break, take a little break, come back to this as you think about perhaps the ways you've taken pride in your prayers. I do appreciate your patience if you're hanging with us or when you come back. Now, the, the last thing that could happen to us is we could fall into despair. And I know some of you are, are already ahead of me. I mentioned that a second ago, but I know some of you are. And we look at the life here of Elijah. And Elijah was a prophet and Elijah was bold and things he prayed for no rain for three years and it didn't rain. And God kept him safe. And he prayed and he prayed. And finally, there came a time when he just got tired and he was threatened by Jezebel. I think it's Ahaz, that he was going to get killed. And so he ran away. Jezebel was who he was threatened by. Ahaz was the king. And he couldn't take it anymore. And he ran away, just like we have may have felt in this pandemic. We can't take it anymore. We're going to be isolated. And then, you know, 1 Kings 19, verse 4 this is what the great and powerful prophet of God named Elijah said. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and he came and sat down under a juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he might die. This guy's really 
discouraged, isn't he? We've even talked about this before in the podcast. And he said, it is enough now, Lord, take my life, for I am not better than my father's. And he lay down and he slept under a juniper juniper tree. And behold, there was an angel touching him, and he said to him, Arise and eat. Elijah needed rest. And we may say, I've been praying and praying and praying, and God hasn't answered. Lord, I'm done. I'm alone. I'm done. I'm tired. I'm not any better than anybody else. Not only do I not take pride in my prayers like we talked about earlier, I'm not even as good as anybody else. I just need to go home. And then later, again, talking to God, he repeats himself. I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. Yahweh Sabaoth is the Hebrew. For the sons of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, torn down thine altars, and killed thy prophets with the sword. And I alone am left, and they seek my life to take it away. I've been praying and praying and praying, and nothing's happened. I haven't seen the Lord work, and I'm tired, and I'm weary, and I'm alone. I'm alone in all this. Real quickly, for transparency's sake, I have some definite things I think God is doing in my particular culture through this pandemic. I have some very strong beliefs. I pray about them, but I haven't told many people about them because they're not exactly in line with many of the people around me want to hear. And I try to be encouraging all the time. But I have those beliefs and I'm praying for them. And the potential is I could feel alone, right? I'm the only one who has this insight. I'm the only one who's praying this. We can feel that way. God gave Elijah rest. He gave him food. And then in verse 18, I think of the same exact chapter in 1 Kings in 1 Kings 19, God says this, Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. Elijah, you're not alone. You have 7,000 brothers and sisters in Israel who haven't worshipped Baal. They haven't kissed him. They're there. You're not alone in what you're praying. And whatever it is you're praying about now over this pandemic or in your personal life, you're not alone. You're not the only person God has given whatever insight, whatever you're praying for. You're not the only one who's seen that and who's praying about that. I can guarantee that God has people And even if it's in your life and it's a personal thing, there are people around you who can sense something's going on, or maybe you've told them exactly what's going on. You're not alone when you're praying. You're praying in the strength of your brothers and sisters. We pray in the strength of the Lord, but sometimes we need to know there are 7,000 like-minded people. And I don't believe I'm the only one with the insight to pray what I've been praying. I just believe I don't have a lot of the courage to spread it all around to everybody. I'm praying about it. And I could be wrong. That's another reason I might not want to spread it around. But if I am right, I know I'm not the only one. God has not shown in his word what he's shown me or seems to have shown me to me alone. He's sent it to someone else. So we can get discouraged. We can think Maybe if I prayed for this thing 103 times instead of 100, I would have gotten the answer. Or I'm praying for this. It's really, really hard. It's going to be really, really hard on my life. But I am praying it. When David said in Psalm 51, 
to cleanse me with hyssop. That was like a switch. David was saying, whatever it takes, cleanse me. He knew it would be uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable for him right at the time. But he was praying that it would be done. So keep praying. Whatever you're concerned about, keep praying. Don't let wonder or questions about what God is doing keep you from praying or how he's going to use your prayers. We don't know. We saw that in the life of Israel in Samuel. But don't let that not knowing keep you from praying. I didn't mention this, but the soldiers who were praying for victory, who brought the ark in, there were some people who were praying that God would sweep out Eli and his family because they were making worship a mockery and miserable. A time that should be joyous and freeing was terrible to them. So they were praying one thing, the soldiers were praying another. And God has had his timing. Israel didn't find ultimate defeat in either way. But at that moment, he answered the prayers of the people who were praying against Eli and Hophni and Phinehas. And so remember, God is working. Keep praying. Don't take pride in what you're praying. God may have other things in mind for the moment. But keep praying. Don't get discouraged either. Prayer does change things. God is listening to us. But he has his purposes. Take heart and keep praying. Thank you again for listening, putting up for this little longer episode. We'll see if this will continue or if we need to do something else. But I, I, I actually needed to do this this way today because all those things are tied together. Importunity in prayer, not taking pride in our prayers and not being discouraged in our prayers. Therefore, we do not lose heart. But though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Blessed souls, keep praying, do not lose heart. This is only momentary and it's light compared to the eternal weight of glory that's coming. Focus on the things of God and let's pray for one another. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Free Range Preacher on Prayer Podcast. We are praying God uses this episode in some way to encourage your communion with the Holy Savior to sustain your soul. Fred wanted me to tell you he's sorry if you've tried to contact us through Facebook or Twitter. His quote to me was, I don't understand either my Facebook page or Twitter. You can still contact us at freerangeprayer at gmail.com and Instagram is still Free Range Ministries if you'd like to contact us there. I'm Richard Durrington and still available at durringtonr at gmail.com or visit richarddurrington.com. And until next time, we will pray for one another. <laughs>